You are listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. An estimated 40 million anesthetics are administered every year in this country. It is clear that the advancement in surgery today could never have been made if parallel advances did not exist in the specialty of anesthesia. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and with me today is Dr. Yasser Wafai, attending anesthesiologist at Condell Medical Center and former clinical professor at Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center and the University of Illinois at Chicago. Today we are discussing current concepts in anesthesia, specifically preoperative evaluation. Welcome, Dr. Wafai. Thank you, Dr. Hill. When a patient comes in to be evaluated for any kind of anesthetic, what are the steps that you as an anesthesiologist would do? At this day and age, the same-day surgery is dominating the operating room in most of the country, private practice, community hospital, as well as in a tertiary care centers and uh, hospitals that have residency program and uh, teachings. This trend is forcing us to see the patient firsthand on the first day of surgery. Previously, we used to see the patients the, the night before or two days before his surgery or her surgery, and that will give us ample of time to evaluate the patients and order the appropriate tests. How can you then evaluate a patient on such short notice? Most of the load has been put on the primary physicians and the surgeons and the, the admitting physicians in the hospital or the, the physicians who saw the patients a couple of days before the surgery and schedule him or her for surgery. And that's why it's important to talk to the general practitioners and to make them focus on the areas that it's important to evaluate the patient previous to going to surgery. What are the issues that you must discuss with the primary care physician in terms of making a safe anesthetic? More and more, the amount of tests ordered for the patients going for surgery are getting less and less. Why would that be? Those tests turn to be of less of a, of a benefit. So the, you order chest x-ray, uh, 10,000 chest x-ray, one or two of them will be positive for something can alter your anesthetics. And uh, in that case, it's not it's over the uh, actual percentage of the risk-benefit ratio of a, of a surgery itself and anesthesia of, uh, itself. So it's not ordered now. Chest x-rays are not ordered unless if the patient has some symptoms related to his lungs. So if you have a healthy young person, man or woman, come to you uh, for a elective procedure, what tests do you have to do, if any? Some places went all the way to not ordering any test before a minor surgery. By minor surgery, I mean is removal of uh, skin tags and, you know, doing hernia, quick extremity surgery, fractured wrists, things like that. All, all those, you know, surgeries that it is considered, quote-unquote, minor surgeries, no, no lab tests are required. 
Now, what about the patients who, let's say, have a smoking history or are diabetic or have a history of heart disease? Now, how do you evaluate those patients? Those patients need to be evaluated ahead of time, and those are the patients that they need to be cared for more as a preoperative evaluation. And we need to, uh, to address the, the each of those pathology by itself. So for a patient who has a smoking history, you need a chest X-ray to see how bad his lungs is. For a patient who has a cardiac history, you need to know how bad is the cardiac problem he has. And uh, is it a reversible disease? or is it a chronic disease that the patient is living with? Is this acute changes, or is this a chronic changes that the patient has? When I talk about changes, I'm talking about if there is any uh, changes in the symptoms, the sign, patients has a chest pain, shortness of breath, uh, when did that start? The, the history will guide you to the tests that you need to order. What does the primary care physician have to know about your field to do the proper preoperative evaluation tests? Most of the things has been studied, and a lot of papers are written about preoperative testings and about the role of the anesthesiologist and the general practitioners in evaluating those patients. So the information is out there. But to capitalize on on certain thing, things, a patient who has a cardiac disease needs a electrocardiogram, and if the electrocardiogram is abnormal, you go to the next step, you need to do a stress test, and if the stress test shows abnormality, you need to consult a, of course, you consult a cardiologist, and the cardiologist will choose the appropriate test to give the appropriate risk scores on this and, and this cardiac problem and from there I can know those information and alter my anesthetic accordingly. If you have just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and we are speaking with Dr. Yasser Wafai, an attending anesthesiologist and assistant clinical professor at Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center and the University of Illinois. We are speaking about current concepts in anesthesia, specifically preoperative evaluation. Dr. Wafai, patients take many medications, including insulin, heart medications, anticoagulants, and one of the questions that always comes up is what medications should they take the morning of surgery, what medications should they not take the morning of surgery? Most of the cardiac medication are recommended to be given the morning of surgery. Beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, patients for blood pressure, except diuretics. And the reason why diuretics should not be given because the patient has been MPO for the last 12 hours and will be coming to the hospital without eating anything, MPO, and uh, you need to evaluate the patients before you give the patient any diuretics. This is one. Another thing is insulin, and the reason why if the patient cannot have breakfast, so you cannot take the morning dose of insulin the morning of surgery because that might precipitate hypoglycemia. 
Do you routinely get a blood sugar on a diabetic patient prior to giving them anesthesia? If it is not blood sugar, it is an AcuCheck, which is a dipstick of, you know, drop of blood, and you, uh, it can give you an approximate measurement of the blood glucose in the blood, uh, blood glucose measurement. Now, some patients have surgery first thing in the morning, and they're told nothing to eat or drink after midnight. But some patients don't have their surgery till 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. How long do you actually have to keep your stomach empty, and is it for solids and liquids preoperatively? This is a very controversial issue. Every year, there is changes in the, in the standards of care for those things. But in general, solids, 8 hours prior to surgery. That's a must. Uh, liquid, four hours prior to surgery. And those things change from one age to another, meaning that pediatric patients, infants, they don't have to wait for four hours prior to surgery. The patients can get clear liquid up to two hours prior to surgery, but it's not milk. Clear liquid meaning apple juice, water, prune juice, things like that. So it's okay if the patient takes their medications with a sip of water several hours before the procedure? That's okay. Do you think that because your time with the patient is less as compared to years ago when you saw the patient the night before, that it's more difficult to fully evaluate this patient as to their risks and benefits from anesthesia? I don't think it's more difficult, but we sometimes face with surprises that might postpone the time of surgery. Such as? Such as you do an acute check on a patient and the glucose is 50. So you need to replace the, the glucose, giving it IV, and uh, get an accurate measurement. And after that, probably you can proceed with your surgery. You might find an EKG, which is ordered the night before, or in the doctor's office, and it is abnormal. And you need to find out if this abnormality is associated with any symptoms and signs of a actual cardiac problem, or it is just an abnormality that it has been going on for a long time and you don't have to be worried about. Do you think that we should routinely have our primary care physicians discuss the problems with the anesthesiologist ahead of time, or can we safely wait until the day of surgery? Communication is always preferable. How would you do this communication to make it most effective? A phone call from a doctor to doctor, that's very helpful. Or we have a format that the, uh, the nurses in the hospital calls the patients the day before surgery and ask him or her about her medical history or his medical history and from there if there is any there is orders and there is a checks and uh, you know if there is certain things are checked they have to call the primary care and get the answer for those problems and finally what is your role in the patient's decision to choose one type of anesthetic versus another from the time I see my patient, I consider myself as 
a consultant for that patient. And I will give my best advice to my patient about the risks and benefits of each uh, kind of anesthetics and uh, what's available for the patient and what's not available for the patient. And I will uh, let the patient make the final decision. Thank you. I want to thank Dr. Yasser Wafai, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing current concepts in anesthesia, specifically preoperative evaluation. I am Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.